My name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. And again, it's a joy to welcome all of you here this morning. During this Advent season, we've been focusing on the fact that Jesus is the hope of the world. That, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can save us. That in the, the brokenness and the pain of this world, Jesus Christ has come not just to be with us, but to die for us. And that he is our hope and, and he is the hope of the world. And what makes this Advent season so amazing and so powerful is that during this Advent time, we prepare ourselves to celebrate his birth. During this time of, of getting ready, we, we think about who Jesus Christ is. And, and, and about what he came to do. And, and, and so we've been saying Jesus is the hope of the world. And, and kind of the question we've been asking about that is, why is he the hope of the world? What, what makes Jesus so special? What makes Jesus able to be a savior, not just for us, but for all people who turn to him, who come to him? What makes Jesus so powerful? What makes Jesus so special? In order to get an answer to that, we've been going back to the words of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, about 700 years before Christ, maybe even a little more than that, but 700 years before Christ saw a day when a child would be born, when when a son would be given, when that child would be born to us and that child would give us life, that child would be full of hope. And and, and he tells us four things about that child, gives us four names for that child. And, And they tell us why this child, why Jesus will be able to save us. We said on the first week that Jesus is, is, is smart enough to save us, okay? Jesus is, is smart enough. There are so many brilliant people in this world. They are, and, and they can cover so many things, and they learn so many things, and they can help in so many ways. But only Jesus is smart enough to change our hearts. Only Jesus is smart enough to know what's wrong with us deep inside. Only Jesus is smart enough to know how to set us free and how to teach us to love. And so only Jesus is smart enough to save us. And we said Isaiah calls him the wonderful counselor. He is the wonderful. He has God's wisdom. He knows what to do. And then last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is strong enough to save us. It's one thing to know what to do. It's another thing to be able to do it. And when we talked last week about how Isaiah, said, Isaiah says that Jesus is the mighty God. He is the one who has God's power inside of him. He is God himself and he has God's power. And he's able to overcome sin and overcome brokenness and overcome death by taking it into himself and then overcoming and paying for it himself. And so he has that power. He knows what's to, what to do. He, he has the power to do it. But that, if you stop and think about it, there's still a really key question left, and that is, does he want to save us? I, I mean, we know looking back, Isaiah didn't necessarily have a sense of this looking forward as he looked to it. We look back on it, and we knew it was going to be extremely costly, Right? In fact, Jesus at one point says to the Father in a prayer, he says, if there's any other way, I would rather not do this. I know what needs to be done. I know I have the power to do this. But if there is any way, I would rather not do this. So we have to ask, does Jesus love us enough? And Isaiah says, oh yeah. Jesus is loving enough to save us because he is the everlasting Father. His heart is a heart of a father, a heart of a father who dies for his kids, the heart of a father who gives his life for his kids. Jesus loves us enough. He knows what to do. He has the power to do it. And he is so absolutely in love with you. He is so in love with you that he wants to do it. Again, this comes from Isaiah 9, verse 6. We read these words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be our king, okay? He will be our leader, and that's important for us today. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 
And of course, we say he will be called Jesus. We started with Wonderful Counselor. Again, he's smart enough. He knows what to do. We moved on to he's powerful enough. And this morning, I want to think about the everlasting father part of this. That this child would be the everlasting father. So let's unpack what that means. Let's take a look at that. Jesus is the everlasting father in the Hebrew. For what it's worth, it's aviad, okay? One word this time, aviad. And and it breaks down, though, into two. And we start with what's the first one in English, everlasting. It is yad, all right? It is the the Hebrew word yad, okay? It means everything goes on for. It means that whatever this is goes on forever. Not everything, but, but nothing can stop it. It has no end. It will, it will not stop. It always was and it always is. And so what it's saying specifically to us is that this child who is born, that this father who comes to protect us and provide for us and die for us, that this father, this king, this prince of peace, this one comes and nothing will take him away from us. It will be our, he will be our father forever. This is a father who, who's not going to die. This is a father who's never going to move out. This is a father who's never going to leave us. He is our forever father. He is a father who will continue to be there all of our lives because the fact of the matter is, even in heaven, we'll need a father. <laughs> we are kids. God created us to be dependent on him. We are children, okay? And that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. And this this will be this person, this child, Jesus, will be our father forever. So that's everlasting, Yad. The other one is his father, which is Avi, okay, or Abi. And, and again, just to give you an idea of some ways to remember this or to think about this, but Abraham, Abraham, right? Avraham means father of many. David had a son, Absalom, Absalom father of peace, although Absalom was not a father of peace. Or you may have heard the term Abba which is daddy, okay? And so he is Aviad, Abiyad. He is our father forever. Now, a couple of things just to say right at the beginning as we kind of try to unpack this and think about this. If you're wondering, and this one can be a little confusing on this, but he's, he's not saying, Isaiah's not saying that this child is going to be God the Father, okay? This is not an, a verse about the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all God. Okay, he's not talking about the essence. The focus is not on that Jesus is, in essence, a Father, okay? And I can give you a long explanation of that, but I'm not going to. Trust me on this one. If you want it, talk to me afterwards. But he is, it's, the focus is not on his essence. It's on his character and the fact that he's a leader, and it's especially that he's especially a certain kind of leader. That's what it's talking about. To say Jesus is our father is, is to say Jesus is our king. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is the one who is, the government will be on his shoulder. That's why I focus on that and mention that. And, 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 and so we can think about this. Um, you have an example of it, for example, in George Washington. For those of us who are from this country, we say George Washington was the father of this nation. And, and it means that he was the, the first president, the first leader, the first one who did that. He was the father in that sense, but it also means that he was beloved. He was a certain kind of leader. He was a kind leader, a gentle leader. At least we want him to think that. We, we want to think that he was. Uh, another example, Nelson Mandela in South Africa, as he led uh, towards the end of apartheid. Um, you may know that one of the names that people called him, he was not just the prime minister or the president or the leader or the, whatever you wanted to say. He was Tata, He was daddy. He was our father. 
The people there said he is the one because he leads in a certain way. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus is a forever king who loves his people deeply. That's what it's talking about with everlasting father. That, that he is a leader. He is a king. Yeah, he has all that power. But he is he's a father who leads for the sake of his children, who leads for the sake of his, in Jesus' case, also brothers, okay, and, and, and sisters. And so that's why I say Jesus loves us enough to save us. And, and, and so this child that we see, and this is, again, what I want you to be overwhelmed with this morning, is just to realize that what Christmas is about is about God saying as clearly as he can, I am absolutely, totally in love with you. I am 100% committed to you. And you matter so much to me. This baby who was born says, I love you. Because it's not just being smart enough. It's not just being powerful enough. It's being loving enough to come to be with us. Jesus is a king. And, and I want to kind of mention three things about that to try to, to try to just deepen that sense of, of how God looks at us and of how much God loves us, even in our brokenness, even in our smallness, even in our failures. Jesus is everlasting father. He is a king who, first of all, is full of fatherly compassion. He is full of fatherly compassion. Good fathers have, have compassion for their children. They don't just kind of aren't just generals. Good fathers certainly have authority and mothers have authority, but good parents, they also they, they have deep compassion for their children. They 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 feel what their kids are going through, right? They notice when 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 kids are going something through something. If you had a good mom, good dad, or if you are one, but you you know, I mean a, a good parent, a good father is somebody who, who knows what you're going through. It doesn't just look at the actions and say, well, this was wrong or this was wrong or whatever, but looks at deeper and, 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 and knows and notices and pays attention. So often we see this. The first step of love is paying attention to our kids. And that's exactly what God does with us. He notices. A good father notices and then feels it and experiences that pain. And, 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 and when, when you find out that that your kid got cut from the basketball team. You, you feel the pain of that child. When you find out that your girlfriend's, that your son's girlfriend or daughter's boyfriend dumped him, you feel that pain. And, and your heart breaks along with him. And then you're moved to action. Now, as earthly fathers, we can't always take away all the pain. The good news is Jesus can because he's smart enough and strong enough. We see this kind of compassion in God the Father. And, and, and one of the nice things about this is I get to share with you some of my favorite passages from the Old Testament here. Psalm 103, 13 and 14. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God the Father has this compassion on his children. And then verse 14, which in some ways sounds negative, but I think is one of the, one of my favorite verses of Scripture, it's a strange one to have be a favorite, but it says, God has compassion for us, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we're dust. And you can look at that and say, well, that's great, Ron. Okay, so I'm dust. No, think about this. I want you to think about it, and this is really important. Think about when God looks at you, what does he see? When God looks at you, what does he see? I mean, again, and, and for most of us, many of us, I don't know if it's most, but for many of us, 
we were raised or for whatever reason, what we feel like is when God looks at me, if God was standing right here looking at me, he would be disappointed and angry. He would be disappointed and angry because I'm not the person that I should be. I'm not the person that that I want to be. I do so many things wrong and I keep sinning and I keep failing and I think about God and he's pure and he's holy and he's done this and Jesus died for me and I think about that and, and he looks at me and he must look at me and just say, you piece of trash. How can you do this? How can you turn your back on me? How can you fail? And that's not how God looks at me. He looks at me and he knows how weak I am. He, he knows, he knows how, how, how powerless I am in so many ways. He remembers how we are formed. He remembers that we're dust. The kids were over, the grandkids were over, more importantly, last night. And, and we were going downstairs. And, and Noah is now getting tall enough that the landing of the stairs, he can jump up and, and, and hang from the, the little overhang there. And Bennett... Bennett was going to try it, and he ran up, and he jumped, and he didn't get there. He tried it again, and he didn't get there. And I thought, you know what? I, I wasn't like, Bennett, I can't believe you can't jump that high. And I was like, Bennett, oh, man, it's okay. You're not as big as your brother. It's all right. You'll get there someday. It's okay. And that, that's how God looks at you when you fail, when you sin. Yeah, it breaks his heart, but primarily because it just hurts you. And, and he remembers that. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we are dust. And, and that can make such a difference. I, I know of people who struggle with coming to church. They say, because my life just isn't good enough, and I'm sure when I show up, God is angry with me. I say, don't do that, because when you show God knows how weak you are. God knows how small you are. He's like a father. We see this compassion in God the Father. We see the same compassion in Jesus. He is God. He has that same sense of compassion. Look at what it says in Matthew 9, 36. When he, that is Jesus, excuse me, when he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them. His heart went out to them. His stomach churned. That's literally in the Greek what that means. His stomach churned for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, right? That same sort of idea, that idea that when Jesus sees people, when Jesus sees you, he doesn't just see somebody who's a big failure. He sees somebody who's harassed. He sees somebody who doesn't have the strength to reach up and grab the bars we're supposed to grab. And he loves us. And he acts to save us. Jesus knows what we're going through. Jesus feels that pain. And then Jesus is moved to action by our suffering. Jesus is moved to action so that we can be saved. Again, as Jesus said, not my will, Father, your will, but, but I'll tell you this, it won't be for my lack of love that I don't go to that cross. Jesus is loving enough to save us. He is full of fatherly compassion. Think about that. When God the Father, when Jesus, our brother, the King, looks at us, he doesn't look at you and, and just feel disappointment. He feels compassion the same way you do for a child or a grandchild of just wanting to say, I'll make it better someday. 
He's full of fatherly compassion. Second, he's a king who, who protects his people like a father protects his children. To call Jesus the eternal father is to say he is the eternal protector. He is the one who will take care of us. Again, good fathers and mothers protect their children. Okay, they, 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 they shield them, not in an unhealthy helicopter sort of way, but in inappropriate ways. As parents, we want to protect our kids. We want to keep them safe. We want to give them shelter. We want to keep them from harm. We want to keep them <clears throat> strong. And, and again, we see this in God the Father. Beautiful passage, Psalm 91, verse 4, this picture of God. It says this, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Your Father in heaven is going to cover you with his wings. And, and it could be that he's thinking eagle here, but I think it's maybe more likely that it's a, a hen, a, 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 a chicken. And you can see the, the little chicks there underneath. And, and, and just imagine what it's like. I mean, there's, there's maybe a fox in the yard. Maybe there's a storm coming, whatever it is. But this chicken, this, this hen, kind of spreads out her wings and gathers them up. And, and, I, and, and I saw two, and then I realized there were too many legs. There's another one, at least one more over there. And that's the one I want to be. <laughs> Some days I'm willing to stick my head out, but a lot of days I just want to hide and, and let the arms of my Father in heaven and of my brother Jesus, my, my eternal Father. I want to let them just cover me up. I want to let them protect me and take care of me. Alan Funt uh, did camera, Candid Camera years ago. Many of you might recognize the name from that. But he also did interviews. And, and one time he was interviewing a, a truck driver, 50 years old, just kind of a person, normal person, strong, big truck driver, you know, kind of rough around the edges. And he asked this truck driver, he said, what age, if you could be any age, what age would you want to be right now? And he thought the truck driver might say, 65, I want to be retired. Thought he might say, 21, I want to be full of life. Thought he might say, 18, I want to change some choices that I made. You know what this big, strong truck driver said? Three. I want to be three. And he said, why? Because when I was three, I knew mom and dad could take care of me. When I was three, I, I felt secure. When I was three, I felt like I, I was always going to be okay. I didn't have the responsibilities. I didn't have the, I, I, I mean, when I was three, I was underneath the wings, right? And there's something inside of us that longs for that. That longs to just hide out and to be safe under the protection of the wings of our Father in heaven. And again, we see this same protection in Jesus. Jesus promises to protect us. In John 10, 28, Jesus is talking with some people who say, uh, Pharisees who say, just tell us, are you the Messiah or not? Do you claim that or not? And Jesus says, you know. You know what I've done. My actions speak for themselves. And then he says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. No one will snatch us out of Jesus' hands. He is the eternal father. He is the, the, the king who loves his people like a daddy. And no one will take us out of his hands. Matthew 23, verse 37. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and, 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 and people are, are, are crying out to him and, and he looks and again, that same kind of compassion comes over him. But, but he says this. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I have longed to gather your children together. How? As a hen. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, yet you are not willing. Jesus wants to protect us. 
Jesus wants to keep us safe. Now, some of you thought of this already, but we need to recognize this doesn't mean that nothing bad happens to us. I mean, if we're underneath that, it doesn't mean that nothing bad happens to us. Jesus says this to his disciples the night that he's going to go to the cross. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me, under my wings, you may have peace. Okay, I want you to shelter there. You can know I protect you. In this world, though, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, you will have trouble. If we go to this, and if we think of Jesus and, and hiding underneath there, what we've got to recognize that Jesus is saying here is that in this world, there will still be storms, and there will still be attacks, and there will still be so many things that can, can, can get after us, and we will experience some of that. We will experience that. We'll experience the pain of it, the, the suffering of it, and, and Jesus will take all of it, but we will still experience some of it coming through him. But the promise is that nothing can take us out of his hands. The promise is that he's given his life to protect us. And nothing utterly evil can take us out of his hands. I've heard that this is true, but that after forest fires go through areas like they do out in California, that that rangers will go out, and one of the things that they can do is they'll see birds, mother birds, and this has happened on numerous occasions, where they where they push the mother bird aside and the chicks are still alive underneath. This mother bird just covered them up and she died, but they didn't because she was the protector. doesn't mean nothing bad happens. The flames can still lick at us and they can hurt us, but it does mean Jesus will carry us through. So he's full of fatherly compassion. You are, Jesus knows what you're going through. And, and, and he protects you like a father protects his children. Nothing can take you out of his hands. And then third, a good father provides for his people like a father provides for his children. Or God, Jesus is a king who provides for his people like a father provides for his children. A good father provides what his children need. As a dad, my job is not to say, what can I get out of my kids? As a, jab, as a dad, my, my desire is, is to help my kids flourish, is to give them what they need is to provide the things that they need. Again, we see this in God the Father. And again, Hosea 11, beautiful passage, wonderful picture of God as our Father. It says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. It's out of, the, it's out of Egypt, out of slavery. God is saying, you know what? My son, I didn't call just a people. I didn't just call a bunch of names. I called my children. I called my son. And I led them, and I cared for them. And listen to this picture of God our Father. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, lead taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. Just picture that. You know how God raises us up? You know how he nurtures us? You know how he provides? Imagine that God the Father and our brother Jesus. You know how you do that with little kids, right? When they're learning to walk, you put your hands down, you hold onto their arms, and you do this. God does that for us. God did that, for, did that for Israel. It was I who taught them to walk. It was I who held them when they were sick. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. I provided for them. That's what God the Father does, and that's what our brother Jesus does. That's what our everlasting Father, Jesus, King Jesus, does. He provides for us. Matthew fifteen thirty two. Jesus called his disciples to him. He's, he's been preaching to a large group of folks and said, I have compassion for these people. 
Again, compassion. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And so Jesus takes bread and fish and he feeds everybody. And in verse 737 we read, they were all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken people pieces that were left over. Jesus provides. He, he provides what you and I need every day. Paul knew this in Philippians 4, 19. He says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glory and riches, or to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus provides for us. And this doesn't mean we get whatever we want. It doesn't mean life is always easy. It doesn't mean we get it when we want. But it means that Jesus will give us what we need. And Jesus will provide for us. And, and ultimately, I think what this means is that Jesus will give us himself. What he provides is himself as a sacrifice to forgive our sins. And as we come to the table this morning, I mean, just think about this. As, as we take this, and if you belong to Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to join us at the table. If you are a, a Christian, please join us. But what Jesus did is he said, this is my body, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, this is me for you, and I will provide what you need. I will give you the strength each day to make it through what you need to make it through. I will provide for you. And we take that bread and we say, what child is this? And we say, this is the child who grew to become the one who went to the cross and who gave his life for us. Jesus is the everlasting father. Friends, he loves us enough to save us. Will you once again this morning, or maybe for the very first time, will we put ourselves in his hands? He's smart enough to know what to do. He's strong enough to do it. And nobody else loves you the way he loves you. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, and everlasting Father Jesus and Spirit, thank you for being the kind of God you are. Thank you not for, for being not just a God who is big and strong and powerful, not just a God who is brilliant and smart and beyond our wisdom, but... Thank you for being a God who loves us. Father, for those of us who struggle with that, for those of us who feel like if you can look at us, if you know everything about us, then you must hate us, just like we sometimes hate ourselves. For those of us who struggle with that, Father, remind us of your fatherly love. Jesus, remind us just how far you are willing to go to save us. Remind us of your amazing grace. And now feed us at your table. Feed us with your body and your blood. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.